I'm excited about this uh, series that uh, we're launching. will be this weekend and next weekend in a series called Manger Things. Uh, Manger Things. And so God's going to speak to you. I want you to lean in and hear what God would, would say to you. Uh, my, my, my primary goal is to is uh, prophetically not talk about God, but talk for God, what God's saying to you. But I must admit I have a secondary goal. My secondary goal is this, to get you all in the Christmas spirit. Come on. Uh, how many's already there say, Pastor, I'm there, I'm in it. All right, a lot of hands didn't go up. You guys are late to the party. I get it, I've been there before. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna get you in. I, I mean, the, the, the way the auditorium looks here at the Curry Ford campus, isn't this amazing? Can we just give our media team, our set construction team, a big round of applause? It looks so awesome. I walked in here. I walked in here, it looks so awesome. Got me so much in the Christmas spirit. I thought about opening the message with a Christmas special song. It's beginning to, no, I'm not going to, but I was, I was tempted to open the message with that. I forgot my soundtracks though, so I couldn't do it. Uh, but man, I even, I even on Thanksgiving morning uh, got up and started putting lights on the house. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, me and a couple of my sons were helping and nobody fell off the ladder, so we considered, we considered that a success. And I was doing that Thursday morning, putting the lights up, and then Thursday evening, Friday and Saturday, uh, I was going in and uh, fixing all the lights that kept going out. So there was some sort of spirit of Grinch that kept coming in, slightly turning the lights just enough to turn them off. And so I'm having to get back up and down the ladder. That's where I'll be for the next month. If you need to find me, I'll be up there trying to get whatever light is currently out in that moment back on. But I am officially in the Christmas spirit, and uh, I'm going to speak in this uh, collection of, of, of uh, messages under this uh, uh, topic of manger things. In John chapter one, if you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and go there. John chapter one, and uh, this is speaking of that moment when God becomes man, when God dwells among us. And uh, John chapter one, and we'll start in verse nine. John chapter one, verse nine. If you don't have a copy of God's word, it'll be up on the screen behind me. But let's look at what the word of God says here, starting in verse nine. First chapter of John it says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. That's important. Kind of highlight that in your mind. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own and yet his own did not receive him. So here's this uh, explaining the birth of Christ, God be taking on flesh, becoming man, and it says that the world did not recognize him and that his own did not receive him, recognizing him and receiving him. It says yet, in verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And then verse 14, I like the way it says it here. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Made his dwelling among us. That's, I guess, would be the subtitle of, of this uh, week's message. His dwelling among us. His dwelling among us. Will you pray with me one more time? Let's ask God just to anoint his word today. Father, we do pray you'd anoint your word, that you'd open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. God, we lean into you. 
Um, and God, we're ready to respond and, and interact with your word right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at all campuses said? Amen. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Everybody at all campuses said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Um, so I don't know if you remember these tests back in the day. Uh, this would probably be like kindergarten or something. Back in, I'm talking about way back. They used to do these tests in kindergarten that I used to love. I used to feel so smart during these tests. These tests didn't even have any words on them. They were just pictures. Maybe that's why I felt like I was doing so good back then. Once tests started having words, I, it, was a, it was a quick spiral downward. But back when tests were just pictures, I was killing the game. I was so good in kindergarten. They used to do these tests and it was said it would be this. It said, which one of these do not belong. It would be a picture of maybe four different things and you'd have to circle the one that didn't belong. Anybody remember those back in the day? Oh, I, I used to love those because I felt like a genius during those. It just would, the, the right answer would just leap out to me. I would just be like, oh, I'd be like, teacher, can we get something a little bit more challenging for those of us that are advanced here in kindergarten? That's how I felt back in those. And it would be, it would be something like this. Here's, here's an example of one right here. So there would be four different things on the screen, just in full disclosure. I asked the guys to get me a couple of these, and I did look at them before service to make sure I was going to know the answer. I got a little scared. I'm like, it's sad when you got to cheat on a kindergarten test as a grown man. But I looked ahead of him. Okay, I think I know the answer to this. One. But let's see how you all do at the reasoning test. Which one of those do not belong? I'm going to count to three. On the count of three, I want everybody to say out loud which one you think does not belong. Are you ready? One, two, three. The car. The car. <laughs> I'm just saying, I heard somebody very profound, very proudly say duck down here on the left. Just stretch your hand, just stretch your hand down this direction. We're going to pray right now just for an impartation of knowledge. Amen. Here's another one uh, we're going to practice with. And this is, uh, again, one of those don't belong. This is not, a, this is not part of health class. Because if, if you think this is health class, you're going to just circle all the food. Be like, none of that food belongs in our life. That's not what this is about. Get off your high horse, all right? Uh, but on the count of three, which one of those do not belong? One, two, three. All right. Some of you are having a struggle with even the whole count of three thing. You're yelling out. <laughs> That's a whole different test. But, uh, and so the reason why I started thinking about that, which one does not belong, is because when I think about the manger, when I think about God taking on human flesh, becoming a man in order to save and reconcile us to God, it was like the ultimate which one of these do not belong? It was like a real life, practical version of where is, uh, where is the king of kings? Where is God becoming man? Where is that birth going to happen? What palace? What extravagant location? And it wasn't. It was in a, uh, it was in a lowly manger. It was the last place you'd expect. So, if, so God's version of this would kind of look like this. And, and this would be it. It would be uh, which one of those do not belong. And obviously the king of kings would not belong in a manger. That would not be the place that you would expect uh, any king to be born but even more than that, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth, you would think that there would be somewhere else. But that kind of started, launched Jesus' life uh, into a mission that really encompassed his whole life. All the way to the point of Jesus' death, he's sinless, 100% God, 100% man. This sinless God-man dying on a criminal's cross, and we go, that doesn't belong. 
Jesus doesn't belong on that cross. And so, and then we can move backwards from there. Uh, the, the disciples come upon Jesus in, in John chapter four, and he's at the, at the well with the woman at the well, and Jesus is there talking to her. The disciples show up and they go, wait, wait, that doesn't belong. Jesus, you don't belong there talking with her. Uh, and and, and just, it just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem to suit who Jesus was in their minds. So we can think about uh, in, in the book of Matthew chapter nine, Matthew throws a party uh, and, and invites all of his friends to experience Jesus. And so uh, as people are looking at that scene, they're, they're circling, okay, there's sinners and there's sin and there's bad conversations and then there's Jesus right in the middle of it. And some of the teachers of the law, they, po- they point that out and they realize that they say, well, why is he there? Why, is, why does your teacher eat with, with sinners? And, and uh, Jesus himself said, it's not, the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick who need a doctor. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Even at age 12 in in Luke chapter 2, Jesus' family goes to Jerusalem for a religious festival and then they're heading back home and everybody expects Jesus to be with everybody else who's headed back home. Yet Jesus stays behind. He stays in the temple as a 12-year-old and there he is uh, teaching and asking and answering questions and we go, wait, that doesn't belong. And it all started, this, this, this whole concept of God manifesting in places that don't seem to suit him, it all started in a manger. And I have a feeling that there are people under the sound of my voice right now, right here at this campus, a lot of them, and at the Red Bug Lake and at the, and at the Michigan Street campus, I have a feeling there's a lot of us who are thankful that God still manifests in places that people least expect him to. Because I have a feeling some of us were living that life, right? I have a feeling some of us lived that life where maybe you were the last person that anybody expected to ever for God to find forever, for God to get a hold of, for God to manifest in your life. And you, you, were no, you weren't suitable for the presence of God. You weren't ready for the, you weren't worthy of the presence of God, and yet God showed up in your life, manifested himself in you. Are you thankful that God still manifests himself in unsuitable places? Come on, let's give God praise. Amen. And it all, and it all, we see the sign happening right here in the manger when Jesus shows up in a place that doesn't suit him, that doesn't fit him, that's not appropriate for him. And it said that as he shows up, that the world doesn't recognize him and that his people don't receive him. That the world doesn't recognize him and that the people don't receive him. Maybe we, can, maybe we can give him a little bit of a break. Maybe it can be understood why they didn't grasp this God dwelling among them. Why they couldn't recognize who he was and didn't receive who he was. The problem is that's been happening every Christmas since. That people aren't recognizing who he is, and they're not receiving who he is. Let's not make the same mistake. And I want to challenge you today, maybe by the end of this service, that we would all make the commitment that in our lives, in our Christmas 2019, that Jesus will not be unrecognized and that Jesus will not be unreceived. We see them talking about him being unrecognized in in verse 10. Let's go there again, and we read it a moment ago, John chapter one, verse 10. It says, Jesus was in the world And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. Though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. 
Now there had been plenty of prophecy over 300 different mentions of Jesus and his, his coming and his name in, in the Bible and different names given for him. And uh, so there was plenty of prophecy given. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter nine, uh, one of the most popular uh, prophecies about Jesus coming, it's one that we, we hear a lot about this time of year and we'll actually spend some more time on that uh, next weekend. But uh, unto us a savior is born, a child is given. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. Um, and that prophecy was given actually 700 years before the birth of Christ. So people who had heard that prophecy, understood that prophecy, now waiting generations for that prophecy to unfold. And so maybe you can give them a little bit of a, of a grace for not recognizing it when it happens. And, and when that prophecy in Isaiah was given, in Isaiah chapter 9, that 700 years before the birth of Christ, it was given at a dark Season, a dark time in history. Uh, king Ahaz was in, in leadership and uh, he was a wicked, wicked king, he, even sacrificing his own children to false gods. And uh, he, they had just gone out to battle and lost over 120,000 people in battle. And so that's, that's right, the, 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 the political and, and spiritual climate that this prophecy is given from Isaiah. It's a, it's a time of, of darkness. No doubt there was people who felt like God had forgotten them and forsaken them. And then this prophecy comes. And maybe there's somebody in this house even today Maybe there's somebody on the sound of my voice today and you feel like God has forgotten you and forsaken you. And right in the midst of that dark season, there's a promise that comes. Don't focus on the problems. Focus on the promise. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a, a son is given. We have to recognize who Christ is. And that's what this season is all about. Recognizing Christ in the midst of, of Christmas. The American Psychological Association did a survey a few years back talking about this holiday season, about Christmas time. And what they found is that people in the United States are more likely to feel stress increase rather than stress decrease during the holidays. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? It's holiday, you get some time off, you're spending time with family, celebrate parties. It's all supposed to be stressed down. And instead of that, on average, we feel our stress level rise. It rises because some of us get stressed out about how much money we don't have or what all the things we have to do or all the places that we have to be. People start handling their stress the wrong ways and they start eating to try to comfort the, the stress level that they have. Or some people start uh, self-medicating, trying to numb the, the stress and the pain and they'll drink too much or they'll put something else in their body. They'll spend time trying to distract by spending too much time watching stuff and doing whatever. Here's the thing. It's so amazing to me that we can celebrate Christmas and yet never see the Christ within the Christmas. Isn't that something that people can walk into stores and man, things can, the Christmas music can be playing, the decorations are up and so many are celebrating Christmas without ever seeing Christ in it. They don't recognize him. I just think we should make a commitment that we are going to be amongst those who recognize Christ this Christmas season. How do we do that? How do we make that commitment? Pastor, how, how can I make sure that I recognize Christ this Christmas? Well, let, me, let me say it this way. A couple weeks ago, me and uh, Pastor Matt got invited to play golf at uh, Lake Nona Country Club. I mean, swanky, super nice place. You wanna talk about circling what does not belong. We had big circles around us because we just felt like we just don't belong here. Like it was just way too wealthy, way too high class for us. And so we were walking around, we felt like everybody's looking at us like, are you guys lost? And we're like, yes, I'm sorry, we'll leave. Like the whole time we felt like that, so nice. 
But someone uh, who attends here, works there, and was able to bring us out for free, so it was such a blessing. And so uh, on our way there, and uh, while we were there getting ready to go out, Pastor Matt kept talking about, he said, I hope we get to see uh, Coach Lou Holtz today. Now, for those of you who don't know who that is, he, a long-time legendary football coach, long-time coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That's Pastor Matt's favorite college football team, has been for most of his life. And so he's, he's very familiar with Lou Holtz and... So he was saying, I hope we get to see Lou Holtz because we had been told that Lou Holtz lives in that neighborhood and that he's out there on the golf course fairly regularly. So Pastor Matt kept talking about it. I didn't really think much about it. And so we got in our golf cart and we were heading out to the driving range to hit some golf balls before we started playing the actual round. And so Pastor Matt was driving the golf cart. I was holding on for dear life because he was driving kind of fast, kind of crazy. I'm just holding on. We get to this one spot. We come around a corner and there's a narrow place where the, where, where, uh, we're on the road that we're, that we're going through. And as we come around the corner, we're going through that narrow place. He's driving kind of fast. Someone else is coming from the other direction and they're coming around the corner. We both hit that narrow place at exactly the same time. Kind of have to slam on the brakes. Almost head on collision right there with the two golf carts. When we do, we stop and we don't run into him and the, the guy in the cart in front of us he goes gentlemen and then we said hello and then we drove on through and then he drove through that narrow area pastor matt stopped he just sat there so i looked over him i said what, what what's the deal he goes i think that was lou holtz and i'm thinking i think you're hallucinating i think this has become such a big deal to you so this is what i'm thinking but then i replay in my mind the way that that guy said gentlemen And I'm like, wait a minute, that did sound like Lou Holtz. He's on TV all the time. I know his voice pretty well. I'm like, wait a minute, that was him. I turn, we both turn around at the same time, look behind us as the golf cart is kind of going away. This gigantic Notre Dame golf bag on the back of a super nice golf golf cart. And we're like, that was him. And so then Pastor Matt wanted to just forget golf and chase him the rest of the day. I'm like, let him be. Let's just play, let him him alone. But as I began to think about that, I thought, you know what? There's a reason why Pastor Matt recognized him and I didn't. Like if we would have just, that guy would have said gentlemen and we would have drove on to the, to the driving range, I would have never thought for a minute. You'd ask me, have I ever ran into Lou Holtz? I'd have told you no. I just never would have even thought about it. But Pastor Matt recognized him. There's a reason why he recognized him and I didn't. It's because I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't in my mind. It wasn't in my heart. But Pastor Matt, that's all he was thinking about that whole day. Maybe I'll get to see Lou Holtz. It was in his mind. It was in his heart. And so when the moment came, he recognized him and I didn't. Why do so many people miss Christmas? Because they're not looking for Christ. I encourage you in everything that you're doing this Christmas season, look for him. Look for the manifestation of God in all areas of your life. And no matter how much stress tries to come, no matter how much the darkness of the chaos of this season that can be Christmas, right? The commercialization and all of that. No matter how much of that tries to chase after you, you make the decision, no, I'm gonna see Christ in all of it. You realize that all throughout the word of God, it is encouraging us to see Christ in everything. Uh, See Christ's manifestation. See that it's God who's doing everything that, that is happening in your life. Let's look at some of those real quick. I'll just go through some of these very quickly. You can follow along uh, on the screen. But Psalms chapter 121, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those 
who love God and are called according to his purpose. Who is the cause of that? It's God that causes that. Romans 11, for everything comes from him and exists by his power. Everything comes from him. My income, it comes from him, not from my job. My job comes from him. My family is a gift from him. Oh, somebody needs to just claim that over your life because you haven't been thinking that, and it is. Everything you, the breath that we breathe is from him. Let's see Christ, right? Let's recognize Christ in every good and perfect gift. It comes from him, James says. Let's recognize Christ in all of it, in everything. Matter of fact, the book of Colossians says it this way. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's be people this Christmas who recognize Christ. I heard about one elderly lady. It was Christmas week, and she wanted to declare who Christ was in this season. So she decided that the week leading up to Christmas, every single day, she was gonna go out on her porch and uh, she was gonna proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So the first day of, of her decision to do that, the week leading up to Christmas, she goes out on her porch, she says, Jesus is Lord! And she had a neighbor who was an atheist and uh, he didn't agree with this. And so he yells out, there is no Lord, there is no Jesus. And she looks over and she goes back inside. Day two comes, she goes out, she's gonna stand her ground. Jesus is Lord! And he yells out again, there is no Lord. This goes on every single day leading up to Christmas. She's doing this for seven days. Well, on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, she's getting a little stressed out. She doesn't have enough mind to buy the presents she wants to buy. She, she doesn't have enough mind to buy the food that she wants to have for family that's coming over for Christmas. And so she goes out, instead of just saying, Jesus is Lord, she goes out and she says a prayer right there on her porch, and she says, God, I need your help, I need, I need money, I need, I need presents, I need food, I need your help, and she said, but Jesus is Lord, and he said, there is no Lord. She goes back in, Christmas morning finally comes, she steps out to make her final declaration when she comes out on her porch, all over her porch, presents already wrapped, bags and bags and bags of food. She is so excited and she begins to declare, Jesus is Lord, he's provided for me. Jesus is Lord. And that atheist neighbor jumps out of the bushes. He said, aha. He said, I tricked you. He said, I'm the one that put that there. It wasn't Jesus, I'm the one that put that there. She said, Jesus, I thank you for not only providing for all my needs, but for using the devil to pay for it. That's seeing Christ. Amen, that's, that's seeing Christ. When your needs are met, when your life is better than you deserve, it's Christ. Recognize him during this, during this holiday season. So Christ comes and he's unrecognized. And then he's also, the Bible says in verse 11, that he's unreceived. Look at verse 11 of that same Gospel of John in the first chapter. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That might be one of the saddest verses in all of scripture. That Jesus comes to that which is his own and yet his own did not receive him. You wanna talk about rejection. Like we can all experience rejection from any number of places and any number of people. But boy, those who could reject you the worst, those that would hurt the worst to be rejected by would be those that are yours, right? Those closest to you, your family, maybe your closest friends, they have the potential to really reject you. And that's what we see going on here, that his own rejected him. 
And I want to bring something out of this passage that you wouldn't maybe see just by reading uh, the, the English. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but let me bring something out of this. There's two times that the phrase his own shows up in verse 11. And the first one, it says, he came to that which was his own. And that a phrase that gets translated in English as his own is a phrase that doesn't have any gender to it. When it's saying that Jesus came to his own, it's really talking more about a region or a city or a building or a, a tabernacle or a, 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 maybe possessions. It, it has to do with that. So it says that Jesus comes to the land, to uh, the creation, to a city, to a region. He comes there, but then it says, and his own did not receive him. And that second time that it says his own is not the same phrase. It's not the same in the Greek. The second time it gets translated his own is actually in the Greek a, a, a masculine word that would not be talking about lifeless things, but it's, it's a word that would be talking about his people. It'd be talking about the Jews. It would be talking about a peculiar people. It would be talking about his own people. And saying this, that Jesus comes to the land, and yeah, we know that creation is, is crying out for him. But that's not it. Jesus comes to the land. That's fine. He comes to his own. He owns that. But yet, his people didn't receive him. It wasn't rejection by, by land, by a region, by a city, but it was rejection by people. I felt like God wanted me to just share this to somebody hearing me today. That you think your decision of whether or not you receive Christ or how well you receive Christ, you think it doesn't matter that much. Can I tell you that you matter immensely to Jesus? Like it matters, the, 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 the yes that you have in your heart towards him, it's a big deal. You've got to own that, you've got to take that, you've got to receive that, that it does matter, that you have the ability to accept or reject him, and, and we, there's really nothing in between. And so it's important that you make a decision this Christmas to be one that receives him. Though he owns everything, it's his people that, that reject him and, um, and, and refuse to receive him. And I guess we see this in its most practical form. We see it in its most uh, like uh, real life form right there as Mary is getting ready to give birth to Jesus. He's, she's, she's ready to, um, to birth this, this God man, this God taking on flesh. And we find that as she's getting ready to give birth that uh, Jesus is not received. Look at it in uh, chapter two of the book of Luke. This is the Christmas story. And let's look at verse seven. It says, she brought forth her firstborn son, basically saying that she's delivering her firstborn son. And she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she lays him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because they had not been received in the inn, now he's where he doesn't belong. He's where he's, it's not suitable for a king to be born because he wasn't received. Can you imagine that? No room for a king. No room for Jesus. No room for the king of kings. No room for the creator of the world. No room for the Messiah. No room for, for Jesus. It's just, it's just hard to imagine. The reason why Mary and Joseph were there is because there had been a, uh, a summons that had gone out, a, a decree that had gone out by the uh, Roman emperor at the time, Caesar Augustus. He, 
He wanted a census to happen, so everybody had to go to their homeland. And so, because Joseph and, and, and Mary from the house of David, they had to go to Bethlehem. And so, God orchestrates all of these things so that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, signifying that he's in the line of David, the son of David. And uh, that's why they're in Bethlehem. And normally when that would happen in, in, in the different cities that everybody would gather, most of the time people would have family members and they would go stay in their homes with their family members. Joseph and Mary obviously didn't have that option. All their family members must have, all those houses must have been uh, filled already to overflow. The other option would be the inn, which um, is called a caravanserai. It was these it was kind of like a motel that each city would have, maybe a couple of them, depending on the size of the city. And don't think of five-star resort, nothing like that. Just some brick walls for just some shelter. And these were free to travelers. And so this would have been the other option. But Mary and Joseph probably were, uh, got there late in the day because they had to travel slow because of her condition of just being ready to uh, give birth at any moment. So they arrive, and now even in the end, there's, there's no room. And uh, we don't know much about the innkeeper but I can't help but wonder, as he makes an arrangement that's not perfect, but he goes, you know what, uh, there's no room here, uh, but there is the stable. There is the place where we feed and care for and, and let the, the animals uh, rest and reside. There is that. We can put you there. And, and I wonder if, if there was any thought in that innkeeper's mind of thinking, you know what, I mean, at least I did something. I mean, I, I made some arrangement. I mean, he's not, you know, they're not just completely out. I mean, I, I made some, some kind of like this weird uh, partial hospitality thing going on. I wonder if he kind of felt like, well, I, at least I did that, and so that must be okay. Because I feel like that's what we have done all through the years. There's a lot of us in this room who go, well, I've, I mean, I've made some room for Jesus, no, he may not have all of my life. He, I know there's some areas of my life I don't let. I mean, I'm, I got my church life over here and I got my work life over here. I mean, I got my, my, my Christian life over here and then I got my, when I'm with my friends or when I'm with this particular group, I got that over here. And we make partial room for Jesus and we pat ourselves on the back and go, hey, at least I gave him something. But you know what? There is no partial receiving of Christ. There is no partial receiving of a king. Do you realize that a king and a kingdom, the king owns everything in the kingdom. Like there is no partial. The king owns it all. In a true monarchy, he owns it all. And then he divvies out parcels of land as he sees fit. That's how a kingdom works. There is no partial receiving of Christ. And when we don't completely understand, when we don't completely recognize his worth, then we won't totally receive his wonder oh but when you totally receive Christ the wonder that comes the change that comes with fully receiving him well it was just um, Wednesday of this week 6.30 in the morning I'm sound asleep my alarm is set for about an hour later and as I'm sleeping I somewhat hear slash dream the sound of like what sounds like a train horn honking. I don't live near train tracks, but this sound of a train that in my mind, I keep hearing this horn honking. It was real. It was in the reality, but it was like incepting into my dreams or something. So then it's kind of like midways in between. I think I'm hearing it, but I'm not sure. 
And then in the midst of that, my doorbell rings. And I, I, I hear that, my doorbell rings a couple times. So I said to my wife, I said, I think somebody's at the door. 6.30, I wasn't expecting guests, right? I don't even know what's going on. I put on enough clothes to be uh, presentable there at the door. I open the door and there's nobody there. I'm thinking this is an odd time to ring the, do- the doorbell and run. Um, I'm looking around. I see my neighbors uh, out down the sidewalk a little bit. They were the ones that had rang my doorbell. So when I come out, here's what had happened. Um, the trash truck was there early in the morning to, to get all the trash out of the, uh, the cans that were out on the street. Um, but there were cars parked on both sides of the street uh, in, in the same spot. And the truck, uh, he thought he couldn't get through. As I walked out and looked at it, I'm like, you can get through, buddy. Just let's do this. I'm going to go back to bed. Just make it work. Uh, but he was afraid he couldn't get through. And uh, my neighbor knew that one of those cars was our family, one of our cars. And so uh, he was ringing my doorbell. And when I got out there, this is what he said to me. He said, we got to make room for him or he's not going to deal with our garbage. I said, okay, yeah, yeah, right. So I go back inside and I yell upstairs to my boys. I'm like, throw, throw me down those keys. And so I got the keys and I went and got in the car and I was moving that car. And sometime in the midst of as I'm moving that car, I thought, man, I don't know if my neighbor realized just how profound he just was. He just told me, he said, if we don't make room for him, they're not gonna deal with our garbage. And I thought about John the Baptist when he first sees Jesus off in the distance and he said, behold, there's the Lamb of God. He's come to take away the sins of the world. You can go through all the Christmas parties you want to, you can go shopping every day, but if you don't make room for Jesus, he cannot deal with your garbage. And the question is not, The question is not, do we have garbage? Because we could come to church and pretend like we, we don't have any garbage. You come to church and put on a smile and pretend like, but the thing is, we all have garbage. Some of you have more pain than you put on the smile, but, I, but behind that smile is some real pain, some real strife, some real stress. For some of us, the reason why we've never received Christ is because of the sin that's in our life. It's real. Romans Romans tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The question is not, do we have garbage? The question is, will we receive him? Will we make a way for him so that he can deal with our garbage? Maybe that's what this Christmas season is about for you. Why don't we do this at all of our campuses? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. And with every eye closed, I feel like there's some of you in this in this uh, service today, one of our campuses watching on a screen somewhere. I feel like there's some of you and it's just, God's kind of stirring you to recognize him more. To keep your eye out for when he's showing up. To, to thank him for the blessings and to know that God is, is active, that you're not forgotten, that you're not forsaken, that you just need to recognize his activity in your life. But there are some that you need to receive him some maybe that have never received Christ as King and Lord of your life. Or maybe you did a long time ago, but you took back that authority for yourself. You took back that, uh, that rulership on, on your own life. You said, I'm going to do it my way. Now here you are with garbage. I know this about garbage, that the longer it stays undealt with, the worse it gets. And there you are, needing desperately to make a way for Christ 
today is your day. I think about that manger. I think about needing a place for Mary and Joseph to go. You know what? There was urgency. That baby was coming. They couldn't wait a week. They couldn't wait a month. And maybe you need to accept that same urgency for your life right now. You can't wait to make room for Christ. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to get right with God, if you need to come back to God, if you need to make Christ Lord of your life for the first time, today is your day. I want to pray for you as we close this service out. Just give me that privilege of praying for you. I need Christ. I need to receive him today. I need forgiveness of my sin. I need to get right with God. If that's you, with nobody looking around, just because so, I want to pray for you, if, with nobody looking around, if, if that's you, if that's your decision to receive Christ today, would you do me a favor? All over all of our campuses, would you slip up your hand right now? I'll see it. I'll pray for you. I need Jesus. Come on, everybody in this room who's in that place, I need Christ. I need Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the risers, I need Christ. I need him. I need forgiveness. I need to get right with God. Anybody else at our, our campuses, that thank you. God bless you. God bless you. At our Red Bug Lake Campus, Michigan Street. Thank you, God bless you. In the atrium, I need to get right with God. Anybody else? I feel like God's doing something. God's stirring something in so many. What a, what a way to celebrate this Christmas season by getting right with God. Anybody else? Quickly, God bless you. God bless you. Why don't we do this across all of our campuses? Would you stand to your feet? Everybody standing there at our campuses. Our campus pastors are gonna take, take on the service. As you stand all across this room, I want to close this service out giving you the opportunity to come to Christ, to recognize his manifestation in your life and to receive his lordship. But I also want to give everyone an opportunity who maybe just needs an encouragement. Maybe this season is not so much of a celebration for him. Maybe it represents some other things and there's some real hurt, there's some real pain, there's some real strife. We want to come alongside and pray with you and believe for you. So as Pastor John gets ready to sing, when he starts singing, if you lifted your hands and say, I need to get right with God, I want to encourage you, the moment he starts singing, step out and come. Meet me at this front so we can pray together. Or if you're walking through a, a tough season, maybe there's sickness in your body, you need healing in your, in your body, Maybe it's something going on in your family as we begin to sing. Come on, step out and come right now. Right as we begin to sing. I need to get right with God. I need a touch from heaven. Come on. God loves you. It's not too far to come. Don't miss this opportunity. Come on. Hands are up all over. I need to get right with God. Let's do that today. Whatever strife, whatever unrest, thank you, God. We're going to give it just another second. I feel like God's stirring some people. Thank you, God. wait for just a moment you need a touch of God in your life thank you God look these altars are open if you need a touch of God as we dismiss you can feel free to come up and there'll be people here to pray for you we're going to pray for each one of these Pastor John's going to pray for them and we're also going to pray 
that this year, that this Christmas season, we would recognize him and receive him like never before. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for ministering to our hearts today and for ministering to those that are coming down and have come down to these altars today. I thank you, God, that by your spirit, you're touching each one in their place of need. I thank you, Lord, that you are saving and delivering and that you're turning situations around. You're bringing, uh, you're bringing healing, Lord God, to hearts and, and causing pain to go away. Father, I thank you that you're restoring joy and peace in the minds and hearts of your people. And I pray in Jesus' name that all over this room, under the sound of my voice and over our broadcast, God, that as we leave this time together, that God, you will help us, that you will help us to see you, God, in every day and every moment of this season, Father. As issues arise, Lord God, let us see your provision. As, as things come against us, God, let us see your victory in us. As, as sorrow tries to creep up, Lord God, let us see your joy welling up on the inside of us. Let us see you in every day. And we promise, God, that we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise that you deserve. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we hope to see you again very soon. If you're a first-time guest with us, don't forget there is a reception in your honor outside of these doors and to your left. Otherwise, God bless you.